Meet Yelp for Restaurants. Not the software company, but the people who love restaurants so much they formed a team dedicated to our industry. Before Catherine joined the customer success team, she managed the modern in New York. Yeah, that modern. Before Julia joined the team, she worked at Oshaval in Chicago for half a decade. Yelp is for restaurants because our people are restaurant people. Meet the new Yelp at restaurants.yelp.com forward slash podcast. Now here we go. What are they going to say when I raise the price on cocktails, 50 cents a cocktail? Use that fear as guidance for what your talking points need to be. Go back to your values and get really steady in them. Think closely about who on your team is going to be in the firing line and who you need to have aligned with you to make this change. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. Where do you go to learn? A podcast is great, but it's far from collaborative and certainly not an immersive experience, despite my best efforts. My answer to that question is a no-brainer. It's the Mad Academy. And today we talk with its executive director, Melina Shannon DiPietro, who's working to fill in the gaps between what we know and what we need to know to truly thrive as an industry. I'm American. And today I live in Denmark and get to run this amazing organization called MAD. And it actually happened over a good meal. I was sitting next to someone whose partner had spoken at the MAD symposium. And he said, you've got to check out that organization. And he invited me to another dinner at another great New York restaurant. And then I met one of Renee's investors. And I got to know Renee Redzepi, founder of Noma, founder of MAD over the next 12 months and took on a couple of smaller projects, thinking with him about what the future of hospitality could look like and specifically what type of education was needed in the field. And sooner or later, my apartment was packed up, my suitcase is ready, and I was on a plane here. So that was five years ago. And while those conversations helped crystallize my commitment to this organization, I've always at core been interested in sustainability and how food connects people. And then I watched as both my mom and brother worked in hospitality in restaurants and found those jobs to be almost untenable, right? My brother, as a young person, was at some of the very best restaurants doing great work. Then his wife had a first baby. And you can't be an executive chef at a restaurant and get to see your baby, not very often. And so I was watching each of them in the field and hearing about their experiences and understanding what leadership and day-to-day looked like inside. And that gave me a real appetite to do something about it on a bigger scale. What did the early days of MAD look like when you joined? Yeah. So it was fall of 2016. My first introduction to the organization's programs were the 2016 symposium. And that was the organization, right? It was two days of really inspiring and exciting conversation and community. And what we didn't have at that point was a way to push beyond those two days. And so 
the team was just one person at that point beyond me. And we sat and we talked. Renee and I spent time biking around Copenhagen, walking around Copenhagen, and then talking so much to colleagues in the industry, bringing people around tables, bringing people around meals, calling people up from all over the globe and saying what's needed most right now. And it became apparent. And I think for many people, it was something they knew was necessary, but this gave us the opportunity to build a new type of education for hospitality. And so from the early days, that's where we started from ideas into coalescing a vision of how this type of education could go a step beyond the symposium, right? The symposium is really broad and far ranging, but we wanted to go deep. We wanted to give people the skills that they might not be learning at culinary school and certainly can't pick up in the everyday busy life of a restaurant. You know how quickly you get sucked into operations and problem solving, which are essential but you need more perspective to run a really successful business and you need more perspective to run a hospitality business that's going to serve your team and the environment. So that's what we wanted to build time and space for that. I couldn't agree more. I think the symposiums are great. And in large part, I think when you go to events like that, you feel better at the end of it, but you may or may not actually be better, right? You are inspired and you're ready to kick ass, but you don't know which way to kick. Right. And so one of the great things I think about Matt is that it provides the inspiration, the context, the high level ideology. These are the overarching goals of this organization and how we see the future of the industry going. But then it is paired with actionable, granular, micro and macro education to help you take steps towards getting there. Absolutely. You've hit on some of what's really important to us. We really wanted to create a curriculum and our five-day programs, we have an amazing team in place. So Magnus Nielsen joined us from Fabrican, joined us as the head of academy and the programming there. Most of our team has worked in hospitality day in and day out. And then we tap into a really broad array of experts. And so it's a curriculum that's created by people in hospitality for improving the industry. And then we do what you're saying, right? We get the high level knowledge. What do you need to know about this area? What's the framework you're operating in? Pair it with skills. And these are practical skills. You come, you spend five days with us and you can use these skills when you go home. Like you will impress your colleagues and your team and the person you're working for right away. And that's important to us. And then the inspiration. And the inspiration definitely has two parts. It's seeing models that are working already, right? Getting the energy from people in the industry and from outside of the industry, from fashion, from arts, from architecture, from retail goods who are doing this in a successful manner. And it's all the people you sit next to in a class and attend lectures with and have conversation with become people who are your network going forward and who want to see this type of change. I I think we've all had that feeling of being lonely and wanting to make change. And I know that our alumni not only come away with these great skills, but they also come away with people who are going to be their collaborators for years to come. In my own life, one of the things that I needed desperately and didn't realize it in my professional life, and it certainly influenced my personal life as well, were peer networks. Mm. Open honest, transparent, where 
the people work in my industry and we are all working towards getting better, whether it is making more money, creating more balance, having more impact. In, in large part, I didn't know about MAD. I didn't know that organizations like this existed to facilitate because on a communal level and on a community level, I think we're all working really hard to build infrastructure for our neighbors, right? For our patrons, for the people that come in. But there's very little in the way of community for independent restaurateurs so that they can commune. It's something that I hear all the time in peer networks, in coaching realms, in masterminds, is whatever you're dealing with is a solved problem. Yeah. Someone else has already figured it out. I really hear you. It's very much aligns with my experience. There's a real power in being with your peers when you're problem solving. And when I say peers, some of it's people who are exactly at the same point in experience as you. Some of it is people two decades older or a decade younger in the experience. And that together creates some real positive change. The other thing I hear often from our students is super helpful to get an international perspective, right? To get out of the community you've been in. In part, that allows for many people even more forthright conversations, but new idea generation. And then what I really hope we can help bring to the industry is for all of us as humans, it is easy to complain. It's easy and it gets us attention, but that is so boring when we think about the direction we want the industry to head in. So I hope that by giving people framework, the skills, the inspiration, we can really shift and help people move ahead. We don't want people dealing with the same problems today that someone else dealt with a year ago. We can accelerate that learning curve. I know that fear, the fear of losing everything or almost as bad, the fear that you'll have to grind on for years at the restaurant without things ever getting better. Hope is nice, but you need help. So I'm going to leverage my 20 years in this industry and the 200 interviews I've done to give you the help that you need. I'm hosting a free webinar this month called The Scaling Session. Over 90 minutes together, I'm going to lay out exactly what you need to do to scale profitability, scale brand awareness, and scale customer frequency. Go to restaurantwebinar.com to sign up today. To make sure that everybody gets what they need from the event, seating is limited. I'm only allowing 25 guests so that you all get the individualized attention that you deserve. Go to restaurantwebinar.com to secure your spot today. Let's talk about timing. I'm going to quote you directly. You said, 15 years ago, academics were not thinking about chefs and chefs were not thinking about climate. And so with a global pandemic still raging, Omicron creating these unbelievable infection rates. Why is now still the best time to be having this conversation about improvement? Yeah. Uncertainty is part of everyday life. This pandemic has been so unsettling for all of us. But if it's done anything, it's made us really practiced at managing uncertainty. And it's helped us see we can change old patterns. And the pressures on restaurants right now, on anyone working in hospitality, in terms of how to serve customers, in terms of how to recruit a great team, and in terms of how to make your business financially viable, are deeper than ever. And that's actually an important time to take stock, 
to step back and say, where do I want to set my career? Where do I want to set my business? How am I going to get the finances in line to achieve those goals? And how is running my business going to contribute to solving some of the big problems? I mean, this industry continues to impress me in how people step forward to contribute, how people step forward to build community. And we need to do the same thing inside our businesses and yeah, start building them to be resilient for our teams, for our communities, and then for the world. Let's talk about that as a reflection of the Mad Academy. So if we were to reframe the curriculum entirely and say, when you guys sat down to create the curriculum, you said, restaurateurs need these five things the most. Yeah. What would those three to five things be that you organize all of the curriculum around? So when we sat down to create the curriculum, it happened after conversations with people working in all roles in the field. We knew we had to bring all those people together. And we wanted to start with hospitality, but of course that impacts further. It's the customer, it's the farmer, it's the purveyor, right? So all those people need to be part of the equation. We knew we absolutely wanted to do this well and maybe just start small so we could be convinced we were doing it well and really get feedback from the field. We said there had to be two different tracks, one in leadership and business and one in environment and sustainability. Of course, we knew it's flawed to pull those two things apart. They're intimately related, but we ran tests. We saw it was way too much information to try to process in a five-day intensive, and so we pulled them apart. And that was one of our other core principles. We needed to create a length of program that was deliverable for the industry. It's great to think of being in Copenhagen for six months studying. No business can afford that right now, and even before the pandemic, let alone yeah. now. Five days, though, you can get your head around letting a team member or an employee or saying to your boss, this is going to make a difference for our business. And so everything we built needed to work for the industry, needed to reflect the type of hospitality we believe in, and needed to have these three areas that I talked about in the beginning of the knowledge, the practical skills, and the inspiration. So those were the must-haves. And some of it's quite practical. It's what should your P&L look like? How do you raise prices? How do you respond to your customers when you do raise prices? We've got some really refined activities that have been built based on our experience in restaurants and allow people to work together to problem solve right then and there. And we get great feedback from students. They say those activities really change their perspectives. We want to keep it real. That was the other piece. We knew this could not be super abstract. We're all working professionals. We might like abstract ideas. Different people do. But we wanted this to be real. It needed to be education you could apply and see that it made a difference. Because that's the real hurdle. Everybody says, I'll have a better business when business gets better. Once the, the money is coming in, that's when I'll focus on sustainability and create a subsidized health care program and 401ks. And I'll do everything that I've always wanted to do once the money comes in. And I think that you guys have taken a really interesting perspective of supplying the tools to achieve that level of profitability while providing the ideologies 
that will lead them into more sustainable practices over time. Yeah. Look, we all have to be practical about implementing change. You can't do everything right away, but the idea that you're going to do the thing that's most important to you once you make X dollars, once you lose 10 pounds, right? That's the way people talk about it in their personal lives. Don't wait. If sustainability counts for you, if your team counts for you, you figure it out now. You take one small step. You do it in incremental ways. So we also teach people how to make that type of change in a really practical, useful, everyday way. Now let's talk about what that change looks like at scale. So Denmark is a model of what the future of the world, of the industry, could look like through the lens of sustainability. Can you talk to me about what it looks like from both an independent restaurateur's and a consumer's perspective? Mm, Great question. So Denmark's a fascinating country. I mean, basically everyone knows one another, right? There's 6 million people in the country. (laughs) (laughs) But it's incredible because there's a very high level of social trust. It's easier to make change if the person you're sitting down to have a meeting with is your cousin's brother-in-law, right? What I like is that Denmark has chosen to put funds, real government resources behind the behind food and climate. They believe in hospitality as a vehicle for change. And I think that's really unique that the Danish government is choosing to provide scholarships to students from around the globe to learn how their efforts in hospitality can make a difference on climate is inspiring. And I think we'll have ripple effects around the world for years to come. I guess the question ultimately in everyone's mind is when you look at it at scale and everybody for the most part is doing the right things, how does it change the consumer's perspective? Are they throwing $25 burgers on the ground and saying, there's no way I'm going to pay for this? Scale is really important. And I want to cover one part of scale from the industry's perspective. We serve everyone right? So you can come to an academy class, whether you're, we had the head of culinary from Chipotle at one of our founding classes. We've had people who own 10 seat restaurants, right? So you can come whether you're at a big hotel chain or working on a small independent restaurant group. We know these lessons apply to every breath of experience and that people learn a lot from being in classes together. In terms of when we look at how this change spreads out over an industry and over a landscape, what becomes clear is small changes add up, right? People want often to deflect, you said it earlier, sustainability is someone else's responsibility. Someone else will figure that out. And what I can see in our work is that when people, customer, and hospitality person make one small change in the right direction, you have an incredible ripple effect. One restaurant reduces the portion of beef that it serves by 50 grams, so two ounces. Over the course of the year, it's like taking eight cars off the road, making some assumptions about the size of the restaurant. You can do the same with water by fixing leaky taps and changing the aerator flows. The customer never sees that. It's good for your bottom line as well. So there's a lot of opportunity to scale the change and get people positively involved in it. Fear is a hurdle. And I would say that fear 
of being yelled at by a customer or many customers at scale because you've made changes in the right direction environmentally or through efforts to achieve greater profitability. Most of us know what to do, right? Most of us know that we should raise prices, lean out the operation, put the onus on the customer to do a little bit more work and yet still simultaneously charge them a little bit more money. That's how you write the industry as a whole. Much easier said than done. And so I'm curious, as you advocate for these practices, what does messaging look like from the restaurant or the hospitality professional to the customers? Because I mean, you've seen it. You've seen it in Denmark, right? That There have been difficult conversations that have had to be had on like a micro level between restaurateurs and the people of Denmark, Mm -hmm. because there's no doubt in my mind that prices went up, service models changed, Mm -hmm. and people were paying more, not necessarily for less, but for different, which is probably less comfortable. So what does that conversation look like? Yes, it's a good question. And I want to be clear, we've got plenty of restaurants, plenty of hospitality institutions with a long way to go here too. I want to address your question on two levels. One is fear, right? Because fear's a soul sucker. We lose time and energy on it and it's absolutely human. So when you get afraid of changing practices or changing menu or changing prices because of what someone else will say, Sometimes it's your customers. Sometimes it's your speculation about what your colleagues in the industry are going to say, right? What are they going to say when I raise the price on cocktails, 50 cents a cocktail? Use that fear as guidance for what your talking points need to be. Go back to your values and get really steady in them. Think closely about who on your team is going to be in the firing line and who you need to have aligned with you to make this change. And before you make the change, get them all with you, get them on side. So that's for dealing with the fear and dealing with the messaging. More specifically on the messaging, that's the second part of your question. You've got to create a plan for the messaging. You have to make sure the person who's serving the cocktail or the coffee or taking the order has some ready answers and some support from you if it comes to that. But mostly after hearing some of the best restaurateurs in the world really scared about raising prices, and I mean this really, some of the best restaurateurs in the world, when they do it, it's often 24 hours of pain, one cycle of customers. So maybe to get through all your regulars, we're talking 14 days of pain over the course of a lifetime's project and for the sake of better purveyors, better staff benefits, with the talking points in hand, I've seen people's customers come along. And so you've got to have those. I've seen it myself firsthand. The fine dining restaurant that I owned, we continually raised prices throughout 2018 and 2019 as minimum wage went up aggressively in the city of Los Angeles. And we came up with a line that worked and worked I would argue 99% of the time, because all of the price increases were directly related to the increase in minimum wage. And it had to be about the frontline employee, right? Because nobody wants the owner to come out and then explain why I need more money in, in my pocket. And so we existed in a densely populated residential area. So a lot of regulars. So when we increased prices, 
everybody noticed. And the line we went with, and it worked because I think it came from a really authentic place, was people would say, hey, what's up? Why did the price of this go up? And the server or the bartender would say, well, minimum wage just went up. But don't worry, I promise you, I'm worth every penny. (laughs) That's great. That's fantastic. What a good line. And it worked. And it worked because then they saw where their money went, right? That it didn't go to this business with this super rich restaurateur, because that's what everybody thinks. They look at a nice restaurant and they assume you have a nice house. And it really brought it to a human place, right? Like the variables have changed. They're directly affecting the person standing in front of you. And so now the server and the patron are in this together. Yeah, that's And it resonated. And I think you're doing something really important, that response in the face of a conversation that could be fear-laden, is you're inserting some humanity and some lightness. And said in the right way, it can have a lot of heart and impact. Yeah, well done. Let's look back. So last year made 10 years since MAD was created. How would you say the organization has evolved over the last 10 years? And what would you say the organization has accomplished in the last 10 years? When I think about MAD 10 years ago, or even MAD five years ago, it was like a pop-up restaurant. It existed as an organization, as a team of people who came up, put a show on, and then went back to everyday life. And those people were borrowed from Restaurant Nomo or borrowed from a great wine bar across the canal. It was amazing people volunteering most often to get a job done. And that meant there were huge constraints on how much impact we could have. And now when I think about impact, we have an incredible team. For the first time, we have a dedicated space. We are running programs every other week from February through December. So people can come to our five-day programs every other week. Many, many people can come on scholarship. So that, I mean, in terms of our ability to serve the hospitality industry, it has grown in leaps and bounds. We're going to continue refining that. We're going to continue fine-tuning it and adding relevant, essential programs that we hear from the industry we need for the next level after this. We've come a long way in those 10 years. I hope a lot of the people listening to this podcast will check out our website and sign up for these programs to have five days of programming directed at the type of leader you want to be, the type of change maker you want to be. It's truly transformational. What are your 2022 goals? I've got to learn Danish. That's my <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my personal goals. Right. Um, it's got to get a lot better. So in 2022, for the first time, we'll bring about 500 students through Academy. We want more people to know what we're doing. We've run these programs very quietly, doing very little promotion because we wanted to get them right. And now we're ready for more people. And I want so many people care about hospitality and they care about hospitality, particularly after the pandemic and after they can see how the neighborhood coffee shop and the neighborhood restaurant and the Michelin starred place and the mom and pop corner store, how those play a role in their life. I want to help get those people thinking about hospitality and contributing to moving forward Matt Academy. So, yeah. We've got some new programs, but those are top secret for a little while. 
I'll come back to tell you about those. Where do you hope to see the industry in the world in the next 10 years? When you guys look as an organization at the future of the industry, what are the milestones? I'd like to see the whole industry set a new equilibrium. And that new equilibrium will include all the elements we're talking about, right? And the difference, the elements, sustainability, sound practices for mentoring, leading, supporting your team, for paying your team, right? For creating lifetime trajectories for people working front of house, back of house, owning restaurants that mean they can retire, that they can have paternity and maternity leave and return to jobs, that we get ahead of having those conversations with the young people working on our teams so they know it's a possibility. So I think the equilibrium will shift a lot in the next decade, and it's up to each of us to make these changes, to ask, you know, if you're young in your career and you're in a spot where you're interviewing for jobs, start asking the questions about the values of the place. Choose, if you can, choose to put your time into the organization, the company that has the values you want reflected. And that's going to help shift this industry very quickly. It's an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I'd like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Do you have any advice or words of encouragement you'd like to offer? Come to Copenhagen. <laughs> We're here <laughs> for you. But really, MAD is here for everyone working in hospitality. If this has piqued your interest, do check out the website. And once you've done that, apply for programs. These programs are scholarship-based right now. I hope they will be scholarship-based always, but I don't know that they will be. We need help to do that. So sign up now. Come learn. Come grow this organization and grow the future of the industry with us. Yeah, and take care of yourself right now. That's important for all of us. That's Melina Shannon DiPietro. For more on MAD and MAD Academy, visit madfeed.co. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.